All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another Pro Football Doc Sports Injury Central podcast. As we head more and more to football season, we're trying to get in some good guests because during the season we really don't have time. And here's a guest that I've wanted to get on for a while. Uh, he's kind enough to uh, have had me on with his Twitter spaces and other things. And he's a big-time uh, media celebrity. I'm just a doctor trying to analyze medical <laughs> stuff. So I'm thrilled to welcome on Stephen Che from, gosh, from what? From Barstool, Yak, Fantasy Football, Tampa Bay Bucks fan, and now commissioner. <laughs> yes. Um, yes, fantasy football commissioner to the stars of the MLB, to which it, I feel like I'm almost cheating the system because I'm not a baseball fan. Uh, so, um, I, am very privileged now. I'm on a group text with all these, you know, big time baseball players and I, uh, it's funny. Well, maybe, maybe that's why they got you. Cause you can be impartial, yeah, completely impartial. It's funny. Um, on part of my take, they were joking about, um, PFC mentioned how I probably know Mike Trout from uh, being an Eagles fan. And I do know Mike Trout. I know he's on the Angels. But uh, my second thought was, like, he was the Eagles fan that was at the Super Bowl 52. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm football and basketball, and outside of that, not much. So, so for those who don't know, I mean, like, this whole fantasy football conundrum, Major League Baseball players, Tommy Pham, Jacques Peterson, Mike Trout – resigned his commissionership yep and you were the new commissioner yes very um very a I, highly I paid randomly, job i'm sure it wasn't random at all um i was just uh at home cooking dinner one night and dave portnoy said he sent out a tweet five minutes before that and i hadn't seen it i was cooking um and he said that he had just been invited to this league and it was on him to find a new commissioner so um I am certainly a guy who, you know, is knowledgeable in the fantasy space, but also by persona, a rules enforcer. And um, they thought I'd be perfect for the job, and I accepted within seconds. Um, so a really exciting opportunity. I think that um, having, I don't want to say I've gotten to know the guys, but I mean, I've been introduced to them and we've texted a little bit. But um, I think they just need some order. I think that they're, you know, a good Fantasy League, it seems like there's a lot of spirited ribbing between uh, each other, and uh, I, I'm looking forward to a good season. we got to establish some rules. I've already narrowed down a draft date, which is very difficult to do with Major League Baseball players who are playing during the entire draft. During the All-Star break. Yeah. All-Star break. That's your chance. Oh, too early. Way too early, because that, that's before preseason. If something happens in preseason, yep. then you know, kind of everything out the window. <laughs> too so. Way too early, Doc. Um, well, Scott Fish is that early? Yeah, a little bit, but... Risk. Anyways... So, so Portnoy's in this league. He is. He took uh, Tommy Pham's spot. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, 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 so you're safe. You're not going to be slapped by anybody. Who knows? <laughs> not, nothing is off the Possibility table. is there, right? But, but so much, but so much for impartial. Now, your quote boss is in the league. Sure. Can you maintain your impartiality? Uh, I mean, I, I, I like to give Gabe, uh, Dave uh, quite a bit of guff when I can, so uh, absolutely not playing favorites um, to Dave at all. <laughs> all right, so, so settle the question. Sure. If you were fantasy football commissioner to the baseball stars previously, mm -hmm. would you have allowed what Jock Peterson did? 
Sure. So it would, it would have to depend on what the IR stipulations were before the league started. Um, mm-hmm. It looks like by the letter of the law that what he did was legal. Um, in which case, you know, certainly we could uh, open it up for a revote for the next season. But there's not much, there's not many things that you can change mid-year. Like, for example, if there is a huge COVID outbreak and many teams have, um, you know, rescheduled games or things like that, certainly that would be a time where a commissioner could step in and say, okay, we have to either open up more COVID injury spots because one team gets hit way harder than another um, or things with rescheduled games. But as far as actual rules um, within the league, uh, the the framework of the league, I don't think anything can really be changed mid-season as opposed to like IR rules. Certainly you could, you know, push back on something. Um, it's actually coincidental in the past two seasons, I play in three different fantasy leagues with different groups of friends. Um, I have had actual, uh, I don't want to use the term dust ups, but like, uh, you know, beef with, uh, with <laughs> you, you can't say dust up. You might get fined a hundred thousand dollars. Um, uh, with, with two different people based on certain things. One guy dropped his whole team in a keeper league because he was out of the playoffs. Um, you know, things like that. Um, and another one was like an IR COVID thing. Um, and I think those things are good to call out in the moment. One of the leagues that I play in doesn't separate injured reserve from COVID, so we made it purely COVID. And uh, someone tried to sneak on someone that didn't have COVID onto the IR, in which case you can call it out, raise the flag. The commissioner mm-hmm. can then rule, like, this person cannot be put on the IR, things like that. So um, I think if those things, as long as the rules are clear and outlines everyone beforehand, there should be no issues. So uh, I'm sure to, to, uh, my job is to make sure that they have a clean and fair game. And I think everyone's going to be for that. So if you were commissioner during the Tommy Pham, Mm -hmm. Jacques Peterson thing, okay, so you allowed it and Tommy Pham does what he did. What kind of penalty would you impose on Tommy Pham? I think it would, it would be a, a context like uh, I would need to know full context of like what was said in the group. And apparently he did say he was going to, you know, slap jock, in, in which case, um, you, know, vi- you know, we're playing fantasy Him sports here. This said, is meant yeah. to be fun for all. Um, certainly things can get heated. And again, like I said, I've gotten into a couple beefs the past couple of years with people. But it should never become physical, and that should certainly be something that's addressed with the group. And is the group comfortable with, you know, that person who – and acted a, you know, an act of violence on another person to be back in the league, or is that something where they should be kicked out? There are certain things that people should be kicked out of leagues for, um, and that was the result of you know that slap, and I don't disagree with that decision. I would definitely want to talk to the group first and see kind of what they felt. Um, you know, was this a divided group where everyone was, you know, against, you know, Tommy was, was there something where, you know, it was a split? I don't, I don't have background on that, so I'm not sure, but, you know, from my tenure moving forward, I'm going to ensure that it's a clean game. Sounds like they should put you in charge of the Deshaun Watson suspension argument. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> Uh, no. I'm not going to touch that one. <laughs> We're going to leave that alone. I just threw that out there as a as a topic thing and, and to have some fun. Not belittling the situation. Say one thing that's crazy about that, um, and I'm not trying to get it. I don't think this is a hot water subject at all. But like, or this is not a hot water comment at all. But the fact that you know this is number 24, um, and you know, 20, I guess they knew about 23 or whatever. But you know. From an outsider's perspective, it's like, okay, 23, no problem. But 24, whoa. Like, I guess they didn't know about it. But just the sheer number, that's crazy. Uh, as far as a breaking point, it should be like 0 or 1. Or like 23 to 24 is like, 
I mean, you kind of knew what you were getting into, nah. so we'll see what happens with the contract and all that stuff. Yeah, and I have no idea what really happened, and you know, nobody does presumption of in, in, in a sense. But you know, I've written Stephen. Look, in pro sports, athletes are a creature of creatures of habit. Mm-hmm. They like going to the same restaurant, yep. staying in the same hotels, going to the same things. They don't move around on massage therapists. Okay, if you're new to town and there's a different technique and you're trying, look. Players fly masseuses yep. to away games a lot of times, as you know. They don't like the change. Like, they literally, there'll be four or five athletic trainers taping, and there'll be one with a longer line, but that guy's always got to get his ankle taped by the same guy because yep. he knows how it, he likes it and, and whatever. And so all I said early on when this started coming out is at that point the number was 17, and I was like, that's just a lot of therapists. Yeah. That's all I could say. Yes. It's just a lot of different ones. And, and obviously that number has now grown. But we're not here to, uh, to really I, I will say one of the that. most famous guy who got you know, a ton of body work, James Harrison, who spent like upwards of like the mid-six figures on his body and massages per year, he would use um, one person like for that. Or I think there might have been like a group, like a rotation of two, but like a very low number, and it was consistent. Like you're, you're right. Yeah, they want the consistency. Yeah, and then certainly two, three, four people take vacations, different things. Sure. You know, maybe a you know a deep tissue person versus a more maintenance yep. massage person. Yeah, I mean, of course, but uh, it just is a, a big number. Is is certainly all all the all that it was. All right, so you're a big Tampa guy, as we yeah. talked about a little bit. Everyone knows you're a big Tampa guy. Yeah. And by the way, I didn't know this till look, we've chatted before, Twitter spaces, whatever, yeah. but find out something. I mean, you're actually the first, I think, Asian podcast guest that I've ever oh, had. Oh, really? I, I, I don't know that we've counted, but I think <laughs> so. I don't know. I mean, look, uh, there, there aren't a lot of Asians in football. Uh, I remember True. one time. My uh, my wife told me don't do it. Okay, I remember. You know, there's all this you know uh, interview stuff and Rooney Rule and this that the other. And I remember a couple years ago, it was the Indianapolis Colts. I still remember this, and Taylor probably remembers this. And they they zoom up into the box in the coach's box, and they go, and here's the analytics oh, department. Yep. <laughs> here's the analytics department. Oh. Two Asian guys <laughs> in the analytics department in the math in the analytics department. <laughs> And, and I was going to tweet something like, maybe this is the only way we can get into the NFL or, or you know, or as a doctor, right? I right. mean, certainly not as, you know, there's a couple players here and there. But my wife said, don't do it. You'll get too much hate. <laughs> and I was like, well, but, you know, I'm, I'm Asian. I can't get us. But sure. I didn't do it. You didn't I, ask me. I would have told you to do it. You, of course, would always <laughs> I'm like, do yes, it. Press but, in. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, that, that maybe, and maybe there's a, a little bit of a. Uh, fun or bar stool in me right you know <laughs> have a little fun in life it's okay yeah. bear a little bit right yeah. Uh, yeah it's all it's all fun and fun and good but tampa give me your take okay we were fortunate enough rich mm-hmm. ornberger lives in san diego is a local radio host yep. he in theory is the guy who sort of broke the news about the quote rift and the red pen and the whatever sure whatever you want to call it sure and uh, then uh, we had him on one week. This is after the whole controversy. We just mm-hmm. randomly had him on. And the next week, we had on Ben Volan, mm-hmm. who actually, the day before, broke the story on the Miami Dolphins, Tom Brady stuff. Mm. So that was back-to-back weeks. Sure. And 
I want to hear your take on it. You're a football guy. You're a Tampa guy. Yep. And it seems to me like that story should have gotten a lot more splash. Mm-hmm. There, there's no affirmation or denial. It just sort of sat there, and then it didn't really have a lot of legs. So I, I'm just wondering on your take on that. Yeah, so you mentioned two of those guys, Rich Berger and then Ben Volan. You're missing one key guy, and that's Mike Florio. And those three are the only three that are going to be talking about this, and they're going to be talking about this until they're blue in the face, till you know they're long gone, because it's not true. So um, oh. if you look at you know Ben Volan's story, he's citing Rich Berger and Florio. And Florio and therapy, Florio citing Rich Ornberger. So, like, it's all kind of built on top of each other. These are not three independent stories. They're all essentially citing each other. It's just a big circle. So, uh, you know, Ben Volan, you know, does a fine job in his broken stories before. Florio, I think, is excellent. Um, I think he's very wrong on this. You know, if you look at the Pro Football Talk articles leading up to um, Tom Brady coming back, all the reports were he wanted to come back and play for San Francisco from pro football talk. So, um, you know, I think it's a lot of throwing stuff against the wall. Rich Ornberger has been, you know, respect him as, as a columnist, certainly a former player. And, you know, I'm not trying to bash other guests on your show, but he's been wrong about stuff before, too. So I'm not super surprised. Like, those are the three guys that you're going to get to really talk about this who feel like they have knowledge of the situation. Ornberger played with Brady, so I get it. Do they have a close relationship to this day? Not, not that I'm aware of, um, that he would be telling him these things in confidence, even though he's part of the media. Brady keeps a pretty tight circle. Um, I think if this was going to come up from a reputable source, like Jeff Darlington certainly is a guy who's in NFL media, who is legitimately in Brady's inner circle. Um, it's funny, Rick Stroud um, asked, who's you know very respected Tampa, Tampa Bay uh, guy, yep. reporter, um, asked Tom Brady at his first press conference back, like, what was there any truth to this and i do think that there is some truth but let me clarify and this is just going off of facts and what tom brady has said is that um stroud asked brady you know if there's any truth to him going to miami and brady you know kind of didn't really want to comment on it but said like there were opportunities i was exploring after my playing career was over so do I think that he could have been part of Miami ownership or some type of... Absolutely. I think that there's certainly some truth to that. But the fact that uh, they're insinuating that he was going to play quarterback for the Miami Dolphins makes no sense. So like, if you just think about it from a, a roster and a competition perspective, the first year that Tom Brady played in Tampa was 2020, and, it, and they won the Super Bowl. However, it was a very difficult learning curve to do that. You know, this is a guy who's been in essentially the same system his entire career. He has to learn, you know, new teammates, new teammates, new system, uh, you know, new playbook, etc. That is, I don't want to call it like a fluky Super Bowl, but like that, everything really had to come together to do that. So if you're looking at Tom Brady, who's, you know, going to be 45 years old when the season starts, um, and you have, you know, maybe one, you know, he's talked about, you know, kind of in jest playing, you know, in, up till he's 50. Who knows if, you know, I'm not going to be the one to doubt him, but he's certainly more than on the back nine of his career. Let's say it's, you know, 17th, 18th hole for sure. Um, why would you want to go to a, I, well, I don't know how, you know, objectively we can, like, but an inferior team with 
worse players. Like the Buccaneers were, you know, they didn't win the Super Bowl last year, but, you know, they, they finished the season with a, you know, good record. You know, had they, had they beat the Rams, they would have been hosting the NFC Championship game. You go to a Miami team that, yeah, you get to play New England twice a year, so that could be certainly a benefit. You know, they traded for Tyreek Hill, you know, maybe. But, um, you know, outside of that, I don't see areas where they're superior in talent. No questions. So it, it just kind of seems, you know, like a little bit of a fishy but, story. So I, I do buy that, you know, he would be want to be a you know, partial owner of a team who wouldn't. Um, but the fact that he would go there to play quarterback seems very off. I think you're right about that, Stephen. If I understood it correctly, and maybe I don't understand it correctly, mm-hmm. the Ben Volan story was that he wasn't going to play quarterback. He wouldn't be able to because Tampa had his rights. Yep. But there's nothing that would have stopped him from being part of management and somehow Stephen Ross, Michigan ownership. So I think you're right. There's no way he would go there to play quarterback. Well, that's what Florio was more of a. Is that he was oh, I don't know that I, I have not had Florio on the show. I don't know, but I don't believe the Ben Volan story had anything to do with playing. As a matter of fact, it was excluded from playing because Tampa still holds his rights, and they would have to trade him or do something to allow that. It was on the ownership management side, and what I do here, and, and look, I don't know the truth. I was just talking to you because you're a Bucks guy. Yep. Is is now Albert Breer has jumped in? I believe. And said, "Yeah, Sean Payton's contract, and that was part of the deal, yep. was a hundred million for four years or something like that. Uh, you know, some twenty or twenty-five million. So there's some verification on the Sean Payton going with him side. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't I, look. I don't know. I just think it's an interesting thing. And in the end, Brady's back in Tampa, so it doesn't really matter. But it was sort of interesting." Yeah, the Sean. I mean, Brewer certainly. I'm not going to question Brewer's sources. He's you know one of the best in the game, um, and I'll certainly you know I'll believe you know what what he says. Um, but yeah, I, I still it, it don't like if you're Tom Brady and you're trying to rent, win ring number eight. What real sense does it make? Like you know, Tyreek Hill, one of the best receivers in the league. I would you know rank him above Mike Evans, um, but. Still, even you know, weapons-wise, I like Tampa. Even with you know, recovering Chris Godwin, um, and now Russell Gage, and you know, things like that. So, um, I don't know. I, I just think from a, a, a winning perspective, and you know, we're not even talking about the loaded AFC West that he would have to go through to get to the Super Bowl. It just seems like a very forced fit, a very clunky fit. No, 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 no question. So, let's move on to a different topic. Um, tell me about. Your number one fantasy football ranking title that that you got. Congratulations on thank that. You, by the thank you, thank you. So the number one ranking that was that was a mock draft. So um, of all of everyone that put out mock drafts in uh, the world, um, I was the top by a certain score, what they call a hurt score, um, where I had the most accurate as far as um, slots. So you know, first pick, second pick, third pick, etc. And also team fit, so, you know, uh, I think everyone really had Malik Willis in the first round. I had him going to the Titans um, in, in the teens. It didn't happen, but he did go to the Titans later in the draft. So things like that you can get, like, partial credit for. So, um, mm. I mean, it's exciting. We put out these things. You know, I've been putting out mock drafts for, you know, five, six years. And uh, it's been uh, – it, it's exciting to get recognized, but also to see your stuff hit. You know, I put out – 
um, props, uh, like best bets essentially for the draft, and went nine and one on those. So that's you know very exciting because I'm actually going to put some money behind that. Um, but yeah, I mean, working in NFL media, you acquire a number of different sources as far as you know teams, agents, you know even players, things like that. And um, you know it's lying season, but you you need you need to learn where to decipher what's real and what's not. And um, credit to myself, I I did, I did a good job of that this year. Very, very good. So uh, made some money since you live in New Jersey and yeah. work in New York. It's completely legal for you to do all of that. Yes. I'm in, I'm in California, so I don't do any of that. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Yeah, that is, uh, that is co- correct. But congratulations on that. Thank you. Uh, that's, a, that's a nice uh, accomplishment. Did you take into account or how did you in your mock draft type stuff figure out the role of injuries obviously that's what we do right sure. sports injury central and six scores and whatever how did you account for that yeah so i mean it depends on like a, a guy's time frame for a turn like we saw the past um not necessarily this first round but the past two first rounds the tennessee titans john robinson and that crew um you know taking chances on jeffrey simmons who turned out to be an excellent player caleb farley who you know we haven't really seen um utilize his potentially, you know, he was nicked up this year um, and recovering. So, um, but we've seen guys take risks on injured players if the talent is there and it aligns with the value. So um, I think it's certain you got to certainly take, uh, you know, think about who, uh, you know, what positional needs are, what players are projected to be in the round, how injured they are. Did they just get injured? Uh, you know, in a bowl game in January, you know, uh, Jameson Williams for Alabama, like, uh, you know, what's his turnaround going to be like? Is he going to be ready for week one? Is he going to start on the pup list? That type of stuff. So, um, you know, you certainly could have seen guys like Jameson Williams be drafted a little bit higher had he not been hurt. But um, based on his, you know, recovery, and I know Schefter tweeted out a bunch of stuff about, um, you know, showing him doing exercises and things like that, you know, leading up to the draft, which I'm sure was, you know, fueled by agents and stuff like that. But um, you, go. <laughs> you have to really take into account, you know, how that will affect their transition to the NFL because, you know, he's probably not going to be able to participate in camp. Um, will he be ready for, you know, week two, week six, well, week eight? You know? Yeah, and so this this makes a very good transition to fantasy football mm-hmm. and, and things. Yeah. So, like, at six score, you know, we were saying there's no way James Jameson Williams is going to be – you know, we – national championship game i think we were the first to put out and unfortunately that looks like an acl tear right mm-hmm. unfortunately that was the case and then we said look he's not there's no way he's going to be ready for for week one uh, of the season and now the lines have said it <laughs> you know and for fantasy football you do a lot of fantasy football yep. like to me in medicine it's a lot easier for odell beckham to come back from his ACL because he's a bona fide been in the NFL guy Mm -hmm. trying to get back to the same level. Mm -hmm. And as hard as it is to get back from an ACL, and even for him last year, we said the first half of the year is not going to be so great. The second half will be. And that's kind of what it paralleled. It wasn't necessarily Matthew Stafford and the Rams that made him great. It was the timing. And of course he got his shoulder hurt and other things early season. And it was the timing of the ACL. I think it's actually very difficult. Now, maybe Jameson Williams is the guy who could do it to not only recover from an injury, but to jump a level of play. In yep. other words, no off-season program, not getting to it. It's one thing if he's a junior and he's coming back as a senior 
to, at Alabama, but from Alabama to the NFL, even healthy, there's a jump. Mm-hmm. And so combine that jump with the physical jump. I'm not expecting a lot. And we have our six score. What's our six score in Jameson Williams? I don't even know. But we have a fantasy preview where we've ranked all the quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers with things and uh, so forth. So um, a six score, we don't expect a lot out of him this uh, coming season. I, I would what be about really curious you? to hear what you thought about Travis Etienne and like his six score. So like, because he, you know, what you're talking about, Jamison Williams, similar with him where he is making the leap. Essentially, this is, you know, he basically had a redshirt year because he got hurt, you know, in week two or three of preseason last year. But he's a guy who missed the entire year. And now he is trying to get back to his, you know, same explosive self. But he is also going up a level. So I'd be interested to hear what you had to say about Travis well, Etienne. Well, I'm, I'm more bullish on Travis Etienne than I am on Jameson Williams for a couple of reasons. Number one, yes, it's a jump in level. But Les Franks do heal fairly reliably. Of course, he needs elite speed and explosiveness. The question, will he have that? And I don't know for sure, but usually yes. And yes, he's jumping a level, but he's been in class all year. Right. Like, he's been there all off season. He's been there the whole season. So, okay, he may not have been on the field in the NFL, but he's been there, and, and it makes the transition a little bit easier, I believe. To me, Travis Etienne, the biggest issue is it's a different regime that drafted him than it's going to play him. Yep. So does it jive and mesh? And, and you've been there before. Uh, a guy, you know, your own guys get favored, right? And mm-hmm. he's not the current regime's guy. And so that's my only question and biggest question. I think physically he'll be okay. And obviously we think he's going to start the year ahead of James Robinson because of the Achilles. He's got a six score of 79 at the end of yeah. the season. Etienne's 79. He's getting there. Um, and not uh, So it's a guarded optimism, but not full green light is where we're at. Okay. And then uh, another one um, that I think that we've been talking about for fantasy football and and yeah, we're we're getting into some of our things. I know fantasy is such your 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 big thing. What do you think about Michael Thomas? What do you think he's going to be at? I mean, he hasn't done anything since 2019. Uh, I think when he played in 2020, he played maybe seven or eight games. I believe he had zero touchdowns. So um, I am not a big believer in Mike Thomas. I saw Dan Orlovsky put out a tweet last week where he said, you know, number one receivers will that keep defensive coordinators up at night, and he put Michael Thomas on there. Michael Thomas. He might be not. the third receiver. <laughs> What's that? Yeah. He might be the third receiver well, in the that, Saints that, season, right? Yeah, that's kind of well, that's kind of what we said. I kind of went out on a limb there and, and I'm hoping you'll you're backing me up on this. Uh, about 6 weeks ago, we put out an article and I said Michael Thomas, right, might be the third receiver on his team behind Jarvis Landry and Chris Olave. And that was based on looking at some of his video where I didn't think he was moving that well. Mm-hmm. This is before he did not participate in the team's minicamp due to his ankle. And as you put it, between a couple ankle surgeries and it's been well over a year, Mm -hmm. is a couple months going to make him that great again? And and even this last week there was some video and uh, single leg hops and other video where it's like, I don't know. I think he looks relatively pedestrian. Now, he's still Michael Thomas. Sure. But, I mean, when he was at his best, he was a top three in the league. I think there's a chance he's number three on his team now at this point in time. But, you know, I don't want to be too harsh on the guy. It's all due to physical and injuries. I mean, I'd be blown away if he's slower than Jarvis Landry, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> um, 
as I'm, as I'm like Thomas and Saints hater, um, I would still think that he would win a foot race there. But, um, yeah, I mean, from that position, you know, assuming they're going to keep the same offense, which I believe they are, um, you know, he's going to be that big slot, that Marcus Colston role. And, you know, Colston ran, I believe, like a four four six or something out, coming out of Hofstra. Um, but, you know, over the years, certainly, you know, his speed did decline, and he was more just that big slot, can box out, can catch balls up the seam, can secure him. Um, I think if Michael Thomas is healthy, um, or you know, even you know, a six score probably of like seventy or above, I would rely. I think he'll, he'll be okay. Like when he came back in twenty twenty, um, he did put up. You know, he had a couple hundred yard games and stuff. He wasn't putting in the paint. He wasn't scoring touchdowns, uh, but he still was. You know, making Taysom Hill look a little bit better and stuff like that. So I would be surprised if he can't at least get back to that level. As far as 2019 Michael Thomas, where he's, you know, a top 10 player in the league, that type of thing, I don't think we're ever going to get back there. I mean, he's just you don't see guys have injuries that cost them multiple seasons, typically, that return to the form just like they were before. So I think it would be um, uh, a big leap to say that he's going to be that same guy. But he's getting paid like that guy because he got that contract then. Yeah, good, good, good for him. All right, uh uh, anything else you want to do before we wrap up this segment? Because we're going to probably move on to ba- boring basketball and baseball and some other things that we will let you go on. But uh, what else are you up to? Anything else you want to talk about there, Stephen? Um, well, I mean, we just wrapped up hoops. Um, I, I was doing some basketball stuff. I'm going to have a uh, next year. I'm going to look at first baskets a lot. I'm putting together, you know, a big document that's basically every. Uh, this is for gambling. So um, first basket is a, is a prop that pl- pays out very well. Um, you know, anywhere from like plus 300 to, you know, plus Draymond Green hit one that was, you know, plus 1900. Um, so you can really make, you know, big return on those. So I'm going to be diving in deep into that um, in the offseason, get that ready. Um, NBA draft is this week. So I got a mock draft that's out today. I'll have a new one out on Thursday for the draft. Um, and then next week, I'm actually going to release my top 100 players um, in the NFL. So we're going to go uh, 71. It's basically going to be 30 a day for the first three days in the top 10 on that Thursday. I believe it's June 30th. So looking forward to that. Can have a lot of graphics around that. Um, and it should be fun. It's, it's going to be a good offseason, but already prepping for, uh, for the NFL regular season because uh, it's not that far away. Well, we'll have to get with you again. Absolutely, this is our this is our first year with doing NBA stuff, and and I'll tout some of the guys. Look, we brought on a, a Chicago Bulls doctor, a Houston Rockets doctor, so it's not just me. I have some limited NBA experience, but not as much as they do. And and one of the things we had is you know we do these team six scores based on health, mm-hmm. and one of the stats is if you just blindly went by the healthier team, if a team was healthier by ten points, mm-hmm. and you blindly went by that against the spread it was 30 19 and 2 30 wow. yeah 30 19 and 2 61 percent that's mm-hmm. just blindly going yeah. at that and there are times that you know obviously in a in a seven game series you're still 10 games healthier but you know there's some ebb and flow sure. of home field and and th- those counted as losses and then the other thing that i think we did pretty well and i had to give kudos to the guys like in december we said zion williamson not playing this year right and uh, Embiid coming back from concussion, he was going to play Curry in Game Four after his foot injury. We yep. said, "No, that's not nothing." So, believe it or not, I think we found that the injuries in basketballs are even more important because it's fewer guys, yeah. more importance than football. Football, you know, so each 
basketball player is really four starters in football, right? Because 22 versus five, yep. right? So when you have a starter who's not 100%. So anyways, that's what we found. And so we're going to do some more analysis in the offseason for us on basketball, let too. Me, let me ask you one basketball question then. So NBA sure. Finals, Game 5 to Game 6. Game 5, Robert Williams, Boston Celtics Center. He played well from what he could do, but he was very noticeably limping running around wasn't able to really get off the ground with the same bounce. Game six, he looks normal. How does that happen? Well, it has to do with how much swelling there is. Apparently, he had a lateral meniscus tear, and we said from the get-go, he killed us. He returned way earlier than than we thought he would, Yeah. right? But as it turned out, he was a limited return, and he was never all the way there. Uh, Lateral meniscus take longer, and it just doesn't matter how much swelling that given day from flights or usage and that's why his minutes were always restricted his and, knees was were, were getting drained before every game too so maybe he responded yeah, well that, one and, game and, yeah. and and our other wow. big take that that we said was going into the series and the whole thing we had more worry for tatum than ever anything on steph curry's foot mm-hmm. that shoulder that stinger and you know there's some people out there say well he didn't do very well i think he deserves a little bit of a medal for playing through what he was doing Every game, every other game with the stinger, and he was not 100% in terms of what was going on. That's interesting. Not a lot of people want to back Jason Tatum right now, but I applaud your bravery, and you guys are obviously well. Well, we just, in terms of injuries, we're saying his injury was lingering. Yeah, that's no, all no, we're no, saying. Same. Yeah, I mean, you know, if your right shoulder is bothering you with a stinger, does it affect a little bit of your accuracy and, sure. and your ability to play? I mean, it wasn't like he was terrible, but he, I don't think he really ever hit his prop once, did he? I mean, he I don't. I don't think he ever did. Over the last 19 games, too. Yeah. So, anyways. All right, Stephen. Thank you for having, uh, making the time and coming on. I really appreciate it and appreciate turning the tables. Usually you're asking me questions, and this is a little bit the other way around. And so uh, we'll be right back with part two of the Pro Football Doc podcast. All right. As we continue with part two of Sports Injury Central Pro Football Doc podcast, thanks to Stephen Che for coming on. He's a fun guy. I like him. Uh, very informative, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. S- smart guy, I think. Um, very, very uh, good friend of Sports Injury Central and, and the stuff that we do, so it's good to have him on. All right, where do we want to go next? What do you want to talk about? Oh, uh, wait, so Taylor's here, of course. You heard him chiming in earlier, and uh, and Justin, the producer. And uh, we have a new, a new guy joining <laughs> us today, a new hire, uh, and your name is... <laughs> I'm Jacob. I was uh, stranded. Streets of Europe. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, been in Europe for a while and then stranded in New York. Thanks, thanks to Delta Airlines for being completely unhelpful. Uh, he was uh, on his European vacation for uh, a couple of weeks. Uh, is there any news you need to break to us? I mean, no, 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 nothing yet. Don't worry. Don't I worry. mean, he went with his longtime girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Correct. And went to Europe. Yes. So the next natural question is: They went to Paris too, by the way. Just so yeah, went to I Paris. Know, yep. Yeah. Eiffel Tower, <laughs> romantic spot. All that. The, don't worry. Her parents wanted to graduate first, so uh, I got saved a little bit of that one. She's got, she's got another semester. So, so now you don't need to do anything. Stuff. You just give her the ring because you yeah, had the trip. Already, well, right? I got to save yeah. up from the trip. Right? Now, now, Come on. now, Justin. We got to get more cameras in here. Like, like <laughs> you got to get the, the how color red he is right in. now. Yeah. We can't do it right now. We can't show it. I mean, he is six score red, red right now. <laughs> 
So, uh, yeah, <laughs> hazing. The, look, when you when you take two weeks of vacation, hazing you the get, intern, right? You get you get hazed <laughs> a, a, a little bit. So, uh, so welcome welcome back. And uh, okay, we'll let you off the hook, even though we just hazed them a little bit there, a little, yeah. a little bit. So, where where do you want to go next? What do you want to chat on next here? We actually have a lot of different things to go on. Stephen's segment was good, but a, a lot of different things. And of course, we'll end with a couple of good beasts of the weeks. I think. So we're yeah. I mean. I got back, and the first thing I did was check our website for all the injury news, you know, because I was completely plugged out. But um, we are in San Diego. The biggest talk of the town right now is Manny Machado with the left ankle and uh, Tatis. When's he coming back? So we got to ask you your take on those, Duck. All right. I mean, I was driving uh, my daughter, nine-year-old, to her first sleepaway camp when I'm getting texts. And, of course, um, we just turned on. The uh, my son, you know, always wants to listen and watch the Padres. He's a huge Padre fan. Look, Tatis has been his favorite player, but because he's been injured, he's been shifting to Manny and Cronenworth. So, at this point, maybe he needs to stop rooting for Cronenworth because right. he was next. Machado. <laughs> maybe it's our bad luck in terms of what's going on. And then uh, I don't think it's a secret. Uh, Kevin AC is now the main beat reporter for the San Diego Union Tribune in. And I worked with uh, Kevin when I wrote for the Union Tribune. We all did. So did I. All three of us did. There you go. That was the <laughs> the the start of it. But yeah, and uh, he was texting. But anyways, yeah, ankle sprain. And we said so. For Manny Machado, here's the the good news and the bad news. Mm-hmm. There you go. The uh, bad news is. My son likes him, which means he's propensity to get hurt. No, just I'm worried about Patrick Mahomes next. Nah, <laughs> well, Mahomes has that. Is yeah. So the good news and the bad news on Manny Machado. The good news, no fracture. And that's what it looked like. The quote, good news, just an ankle sprain. The bad news, a pretty significant ankle sprain, and let me tell you, a sprain is a tear. By video, we said at sick, sickscore.com, that it was a grade three. One mild, two moderate, three severe. There's tearing of the lateral ligaments in his ankle. So if you look at the video, what happened was he's beaten out this little grounder, overstrides to try and get to the bag first, and lands on the back half of the bag. And the way the bag's a little bit crowned, right? Slid off. Yeah. Slid off mm-hmm. and then into the dirt when the cleats bit yeah. and it rolled his ankle. Absolutely. Um, grade three ankle sprain. I mean, the assumption is this is the first one he's had this badly, which means he's going to swell like crazy and it's going to hurt. This isn't Steph Curry with his 17th ankle sprain where the ligaments are already stretched. So at this point in time, look, it's going to take him – a while. He's going to be in crutches and a boot the next time we all see him. It's going to take him a couple of weeks to, to get the swelling down. And, and how long before he gets back? I mean, I'm a big Padres fan. I'm going to the game tonight uh, with my son and my wife and, you know, et cetera. But I don't see him playing before the All-Star break. I mean, if you told me Manny's 100% at the All-Star break, I would say take it. Now, here's the thing. Manny has always recovered quickly. I mean, from that patella dislocation from way back when Mm -hmm. and other things. So maybe he can do it. But you can't just say, I'll just make him a DH because he's still got to run. And, yes, the DH is legal. So, you know, is it possible that he comes back a little bit quicker at DH than at third base? Maybe it's possible. But 
a grade three ankle sprain is easily four to six weeks. The All-Star game late this year, but it's four weeks away. July 19th. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so at this point, I think it's fair to ask who comes back first, Tatis or Machado? Tatis hasn't been cleared to even do dry swings yet. Right. So he's probably a month away. Uh, and we said at the beginning of the season, if he comes back right after All-Star break, that's a good result. Take it, San Diego. And that's kind of where we're at right now. Look, is it possible he could be longer? It's possible. Four to six months is what we said. Four months is the All-Star break. So let's all hope it's four months. But at this point... The more defined return is Machado. Mm-hmm. Ankle sprains have a finite period of time, and maybe he can come back quicker and DH. The hope slash expectation is he stays away from 60-day IL. For sure, he's hitting the 10-day. Yeah. I mean, it's just a matter of when they're going to put him on it for roster management. For sure, he's hitting the 10-day. And uh, remember, if he's not on today, they can retroactively put him on, or maybe they want the 10 days to extend based on roster management. Who knows? The bottom line is Machado's return is more reliable. It's a matter of is it, you know, at three weeks, a little DH, four weeks, five weeks full, whatever it is. Tatis is a little more iffy. When he comes back, he should be good. That's the good news of it. But when is he going to get clearance, especially with his lifetime contract? The worst thing you want to do is turn that fracture into a non-union. And obviously, bottom hand, left hand, the wrist. So uh, Tatis is a little more varied and when he comes back, although he might beat Manny back, depending on when Manny's ready. I have a, I have a question like from betting standpoint. So the MVP odds completely out of loop now right so on the al side there's multiple people in the minus so in the nl side everybody's plus it's basically you can pick anybody now so there might be the perfect time to jump on a couple options manny was the favorite he was the favorite now he's behind the favorite it's plus 200 he's plus 500 now so i mean if you think he's going to come back quick then maybe but that's not what we're saying another guy that we're going to lead into is mookie betts who's plus a thousand on here who also just uh suffered injury cracked his rib you well, you know, I mean, look, I'm not a gambling guy, but, you know, from an injury perspective, uh, there's no way I think Manny, if he misses a month, he's not winning the MVP. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, where I want to go with that too, Doc, is Manny Machado is the best third baseman in the league defensively the past five years plus maybe. So is is that ankle going to affect him? It's a left ankle, so maybe limited mobility, but that's where the foul line is going left, going to the right. So, well, certainly he's, he could return as a DH and, you know, I mean, he's not going to leg out doubles and triples, right. but you not know, <laughs> his bat is pretty valuable. So, I mean, if look, there are a lot of DHs that, that don't get around that well. So, yeah. so look, could he, when I said, look, I don't think he's coming back till after all-star break. I'm saying at third base. Yeah. Now, could they have him as a DH here and there? Sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, bat. Yeah, but yeah. even then that's past 10 days. Right. I mean, it's not any time soon uh, you know but yeah i think it's clearly gonna i mean last year was pretty easy when mike trout hurt his calf it's like yeah. there's no way he's gonna be the mvp anymore mm-hmm. i think this is an uphill battle mookie Betts, he's gonna miss a little bit of time too with his broken rib but ribs heal pretty quickly i think he's back in four weeks mm-hmm. um now does that hurt his chances of course it does you're missing a month but it's a more reliable return uh Rib fracture is more reliable than ankle, uh, this type of ankle sprain. So, um, look, we'll know more tonight. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, look, 
I expect Manny's ankle to be swollen enough that they don't let him come to the game. Well, and so they, you're not going to see any pictures. And, yeah. They, yeah. and they have his foot up at home, right. yeah. elevated. Now, could he come to the dugout and have his foot up? Sure, but you're not going to see him in the dugout with his foot down sitting normally and, and letting it swell. Right. I mean, that'll tell us how bad. I mean, if he is, then maybe I need to revise my estimates as where he's going to be there. But I don't see that happening. I think he's going to be at home or in the clubhouse elevated, not in the dugout with his foot down. Um, so I don't know who else is up there for, for MVP, but the odds have certainly uh, it changed. Seems, well, yeah, seems wide open then right yeah, now. because once Betts and Machado both got hurt, they were probably two of the top four. So once them both got hurt and their bouts could probably miss a month, that's, yeah. That's every, significant, yeah. yeah. I already got texts on who to pick. I mean, like, because it's up in the air. That means who else that is just, out there? No. Um, so you got Pete Alonso, which is a really big one I like. Well, he had high. the hand thing, but that wasn't yeah, much. And, and, and that it, happened in San Diego. It yes. did, yeah. And then the one that has a little bit of injury, but he's been playing through but my it. But my, my son was not cheering for Pete Alonso. So <laughs> that's why that he's that probably That's probably why his, his hand wasn't broken. <laughs> he probably was um, cheering for Bryce Harper, though. That's the next guy. He's got the, the little thing on his arm that you talked about that's not affecting him too much, but the fielding it definitely has. I think he's on my son's fantasy team. Team. So there's a correlation well, there. There you go. It's like five degrees of separation from your son, yeah. injury-wise. So. Yeah. So yeah, maybe we found the common thread. My son, right? I mean, Tatis, Machado. Uh, he was watching the game that Pete Alonso got injured, but he's not. Doesn't have Pete Alonso on his team, and he's not a Pete Alonso fan. So maybe that's why Pete Alonso did not break his hand, and he's still pretty hot for the MVP. Um, let's see, Bryce Harper. I think he's on his fantasy team. So that whole little only collateral issue. Maybe this my son is the uh, is the link to some of this stuff. But he's funny. Anytime there's like a Padre report for injuries, he yells for me. Or anytime a player goes yeah. down, he yells for me. Uh, kind of deal. But uh, yeah, um, who knows on that wide that MVP race, right? Yeah. But but I yeah. just know Betts missing a month and uh, Machado missing a month. What's but, the ones we're taking off? So we're taking off Machado, we're taking off Betts, and we're probably taking off Acuna, right? Because you know, Oh, yeah, Acuna yeah, was yeah, ever yeah. on the list for me. I mean, yeah. He, yeah. Now, he's on my fantasy team, and he can steal bases. But yeah. look, acceleration and running, what he can't do is decelerate and cut, right. which is play outfield. Mm-hmm. But he can slide and get into second base. Right. He's I been mean, doing it. Yeah. I mean, that's a straight <laughs> yeah. line run slide. He doesn't need to stop. Yeah. Now, let me tell you something. I'll bet you this, too. Even if there's no throw, I guarantee you Acuna will slide. Because otherwise... He's not stopping. Yeah. He can't stop. He's be off the base. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to always slide because he's coming <laughs> off the ACL. But, yeah, he's helping me out in my little father-son fantasy uh, league thing. But... Yeah, I mean, yeah. So there's a lot of injuries in the National yeah, League. There. Maybe Absolutely. maybe it's a topic for another time. But the, the, all those three guys we just named—I mean, the crossed off bets, we crossed off Machado. The other three don't play defense at all and haven't played defense because I mean Harper and Acuna is because of the injury, but Alonso—he's a all right fielding first baseman. He's a big but, boy first baseman. Hits, yeah, but, hits homers. Yeah. But the other two have played like what less than fifty percent percent of the games in the field, and they wouldn't even be playing if there wasn't a DH. That's really interesting to me. Uh, well. It's interesting because this is the first year of the official DH, right? right? Yeah. I right. mean, that's Acuna. Acuna wouldn't be in there, I don't no. think. I don't think so at all. <laughs> and, and Harper, 
Yep. I don't think yep. would be in that. So that's an interesting point. I'll tell you right now, as a Phillies fan, you want Harper out there because the team's already bad defensively, yeah. so he's the best defender. So t- they don't want to put him at DH. They want him in outfield. So if he can't play, then that's Well, that's it what's sounds going like on. an interesting <laughs> article for you guys. I mean, yeah. Just yeah. the DH in the National League, <laughs> yeah. they picked a good year, yeah. right? They I did. Mean, they, they really, really did. picked a good year or two. Do you think they had that in mind when they made this change, let people play their injuries a little bit? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's probably just offense sells tickets. Yeah, it was, it was inevitable. <laughs> that. No, it was right. trending towards that for years, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, so Alonzo's the only guy that is, quote, healthy. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows he'll be MVP? Yep. All right. Uh, anything else? Or should we go to Beast of the Week here? We should, yes. All right. So Beast of the Week, we got two candidates here. One is my boy, Scott Turner. Uh, you guys know Coach, his dad, North Turner. is Raider great, yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got a sideline on a story. <laughs> Norv Turner lives here in town, still friendly with him. He helps us with some of our Sports Injury Central formulations and right. our field views. Uh, he's an investor with us, he's a big supporter. And so one day we're going over to his house to go over formulas. Mm-hmm. Like, how do we do this? And Taylor, Mr. Raider fan, is all giddy. Like, he's like, North Turner, Raider great. Like, what are you talking about? He coached one year with the Raiders. <laughs> and, it, and I don't know that it was his fondest year ever either. It, was, it probably wasn't. No. Yeah. I mean, Raider great? I mean, whatever. <laughs> the rings are with the Cowboys. He's He's got a lot of history between Washington, the, yeah. the, the, even the Rams he's had a history with. and He's been around a lot of different places. Your team, the Chargers? Right? The yeah. Chargers and Raider great. Anyways, yeah. Yeah. He claims everyone is a Raider great. So. they got to have a game in. Whatever. Game Anyways, in his son, game. Scott Turner, <laughs> is deadlifting a heck of a lot of weight, as you can see here. He's the, he's the offensive coordinator for Washington. That's a lot of weight. But the best part is if you look at the twi- Twitter and they show him and he's deadlifting this and someone comments. I saw that. Yep. Four, wow, it's a lot of weight, 415. And Scott chimes in himself, 475. Yep. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> so that gets him at least a runner-up beast yeah. of the week. Not only for doing it, but for chiming in. And he says, thanks, four- though. 475, thanks, though. <laughs> that's quite a bit off, to be fair. You know, He's got to add the extra 60 pounds if he's doing it. I mean, there you go. Yeah. Uh, all I know is my back hurt watching him. Oh, yeah, I couldn't absolutely. even 100%. come close to doing that. So our beast of the week, though, has to be from the Dallas Mavericks' Boban. If you look at the video, how old do you think those kids are? I got to be eight. eight. Yeah, like Davis is yeah. nine. They're like yeah. I think those are Davis's age. Yeah, a yeah. little yeah. younger. Yeah. The best part about it is, if you look at it as a beast, he, his hands are not up. <laughs> yeah. His hands are at his side, relaxed, and then he reaches up. He barely lifts his foot off the he, ground. <laughs> one time there might have been stared down at the kid too. <laughs> one time you might have been able to get a piece of paper underneath. Yeah. His yes, feet. maybe. The other time he's standing flat-footed <laughs> with his arms at his side, just reaching up. Reaching up, like, yeah. get out of here. And then the other kid, like, he intimidates. He knocks him over, yeah. basically. It gets he picked him up. him up after, but he let him sit a little bit, right? Yeah. So, hey, he got to stare happens. down a little bit. NBA <laughs> easy, right? <laughs> but he's just taunting him. He doesn't yeah. have his arms up. Yeah. And he's flat-footed. I don't know what his vertical is anyways. but yeah. Was that his own camp, like his specifically Boban camp or Mavericks I hope camp? there's a Boban I'm camp. I'm going to Boban yeah. camp if there's one. Because I know he's going to block me. I want to see how easy it is yeah. for him to block me. That's what it is. <laughs> I think the lead, though, is this wasn't like 
a random parent yeah. or somebody did this. The Dallas Mavericks tweeted, <laughs> retweeted it. Yep. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. Yeah. I mean, they even the, retweeted. They made the tweet. Out. They made their own tweet of the video. The, they, <laughs> the the team media department or whoever social media that they're they're probably more the beast than than Boban there. But I thought that was pretty funny. He's just swatting all these kids. Absolutely, not even uh, moving there. Well, shout out to Boban too. I don't know if there's any player with more media exposure and less on court time than Boban. That's true. Mean. He's got the commercial. He's on yeah, all the he commercials. Lives. He and plays he... like ten minutes a game. Yeah, <laughs> if that, and then mostly in blowouts. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be honest. I, I don't know that I've ever seen him play. I yeah, mean, I mean, when, seven when four. You do, he, yeah, when yeah. you do, it's a it's a sight to see because he's he's just seeing him run up and down the court. You're like, how does that guy move? around yeah what does well, his bed look like he's like 12 foot bed who he's got to have custom everything yeah. right <laughs> yeah well I, I mean they go on the road i mean what do they do i mean they got to put yeah a second bed at the foot of the bed or something <laughs> no, so for could, i mean could you fit diagonally on a king size bed at seven four no comfortably no not i don't comfortably. know i don't know i mean do the math I mean, <laughs> you might be i don't know you're right if you, if you sleep diagonally <laughs> yeah. you might be able to fit all the way you're telling your two riders to do the math come on i figured that out recently <laughs> we got a dog and i have to sleep diagonal now because he's all over the place if i sleep straight he's going to be on legs diagonal is the way to go yeah was it, is it a california king or yeah. a yeah. regular or east, eastern it's a, king yeah. it's a dallas king which is <laughs> do you, you guys do you guys know the difference no, no i do not there's a difference I'm serious. I had no idea. If you, well, obviously, neither of you guys have ever <laughs> shot for sheets before. No. Yeah. I only know this because I had to look it up because we were buying a new bed when we moved. Mm-hmm. California King and Eastern King. California King is longer but narrower. And an Eastern King is a little bit wider but not quite as long as a California King. What's the king. reasoning? East Coast, West Coast. I don't know. Yeah. I, I thought argument. you knew. I don't know. I don't know either. That's, <laughs> I don't know. I thought it'd be a weird know. answer. I don't California know. people are talking. I don't know why. I, yeah. But I always thought get the California King because it's longer. Right. But it's narrower. I don't know if I like narrow. A little narrower. Yeah. And so I told my wife, we needed the Eastern King because we always got kids crawling in yeah. bed. Yep. <laughs> True. I, I mean, I'm only 6'6", six, six, right? Yeah. I mean, I could fit in a regular size length bed. I yeah. don't need the extra length. I need right. a little more width <laughs> for the kids. No, for sure. Uh, but uh, I bet you guys didn't think you'd get that on a podcast. No, right? learn something every day. Stay, yeah. Stay to the end for the bed talk. Yeah, <laughs> pillow talk. Yeah. Pillow talk. Yes. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, thanks for listening, watching uh, Pro Football Doc Podcast, Sports Injury Central Podcast, and more and more football as we roll along. Here, we're going to do a couple of basketball summary articles here, and then basketball draft articles, but. Football, football, football. We got a preseason injury preview that is almost completely done. I don't say 80, 90% of the wide receivers are, are almost done. Running backs and um, QBs are done. So we're getting there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's where you'll get the Michael Thomas, J.K. Dobbins, you know, what's CMC, what's Saquon. Trying to set TN Robinson scenario. Yeah. So Sports Injury Central, SICscore.com. And we'll have six scores on all of them. Nobody's a hundred. That means you got nothing, and you know, unless you're brand new, kind of deal. But if you're in the nineties, you're pretty good. But think of it this way: if you're in your nineties, we're saying your health can get to ninety plus percent of your fantasy projections. If you're at seventy-five, it's only three quarters is your best case scenario. Michael so, Gallup, for instance, right? He's only having half production. So. Ma- right. Michael Gallup will have a low mm-hmm. six score because. He's not going to be ready at the start of the season. And so you're going to lose that production. And even when he is back, but, you know, same with James Williams, um, Jameson Williams, and uh, a lot of other uh, 
people, uh, et cetera. I find it interesting how some players, some people still think Michael Gallup's going to be fine and Jameson Williams Williams, Williams is going to be fine and some of the other guys. But then again, you have the Washington football team or commanders now saying, yeah, um, Chase Young isn't going to be 100% for the start of the season. Isn't yep. going to be ready to go. Yeah. I mean, some, the way the reporting is and, the and stuff, right? is very interesting uh, in terms of what it is. Even he, the Detroit Lions on Williams, and like like it's news that he's not going to be ready for the start of the season. Yeah. Dan <laughs> Campbell's that, alerting us. We didn't know before. I mean, <laughs> in the, well, at least Dan Campbell's honest. I mean, yeah, that, it's news but, to Jameson Williams. He was saying he's going to be ready. <laughs> he knows. He yeah, knows. he knows. <laughs> Look. That's about making a couple extra million yeah. dollars. Mm-hmm. A few slots worked higher. Out. Worked out, right? <laughs> Absolutely. He makes more money. Yeah. And, and uh, Stephen Che talked about it. That we've talked about the Tennessee Titans have been okay drafting injured yeah. players and hoping they get ready. You know, Jeffrey Simmons is one that they knew wasn't going to be ready. They signed Bud Dupree, and they knew he wasn't ready for the start of the year. And he had a mediocre, at best, first half of the season. But those the last quarter of his season, he was pretty dominant. Uh, right. from his edge rusher. It's awesome position. that he uses those tendencies to make the mock traps. That means he's going deep. That's the stuff that we do, right? Injuries and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, so, so it's, it's we, awesome. we like yeah. Steve, Steve Che. Anyways, all right, thanks for listening today and uh, more stuff to come this week at Sports Injury Central. Thanks for listening and watching.